that and don't forget this Tuesday to vote. It's your right. Everybody say it's your right. I always tell people if you don't vote, don't complain. <laughs> Amen. So make sure to get out and exercise your right to vote. All right. Hey, I had uh, Karen, where you at? Wave at me. Karen came up to me today and threw a rock at me. No, she had a rock. She had a rock for me, and it was. It said that on the front of it, she had painted this rock, and it said, "Oh yeah, extra oomph." <laughs> and I, I, and on the back of it, she'd actually painted the scripture that I'd used last week. And I, I'm telling you, I really like it. I don't know if she intended to set up for business or not, but I think you ought to order one for, from her. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know if she's doing that, but it's just, I thought, man, this is a great reminder to put some oomph in it. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, put some oomph in it. Now, you'd have to be here from last week to understand what I'm talking about, but if, if you weren't here last week, make sure to go online and watch the message because we all need some oomph in it. Amen? You remember when we used to get gas and they'd say, what you, I mean, if you pull up to a gas station today and tell them to put ethyl in your car, <laughs> there's a good chance. See, some of you got, don't have any clue what I'm even talking about there's a good chance they're going to call the police on you. Ethel who? No. And, and so, but, but there was a time when Ethel had that extra oomph to it. That was a, that was a type of gasoline, by the way, just to, to clarify. I forget that uh, we live in a new world. Do you know that Jasmine didn't even know what a rotary phone was? How, how does that date you? A rotary, a rotary phone? What are you talking about. I thought, my goodness, man, I didn't realize I was that old. And I had to show her a picture of it. But, you know, when you think about it, we, I was born in the last century. And so this, everybody, how many of you in here were born in the last century? Raise your hand. How many of you in here were born in this present century? Stand up. How many of you don't know when you were born? Okay. All right. Give, I, man, there's, okay. We need to get some people born again because some of you didn't know when you were born at all. <laughs> okay. Today, we start a new series called Be Thankful. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, be thankful. And everybody say, happy birthday, BJ. Happy birthday. Today's her birthday. She threatened me before service. <laughs> it's her birthday. She's 27. Is that what you told me? 27 years old. That lays, that, that's what I was talking about. Some folks don't know when they were born. But <laughs> be thankful. We're entering into a season of thanksgiving. And I, I began to reflect on it this week. And I, I, I started contemplating just what an impact thankfulness plays in our life. And I, I want to talk to you about that today because when you're thankful, it affects your life in a very positive way. When you're unthankful or not thankful, it affects your life in a very negative way. To the point that, I mean, it literally begins to determine your future. So I want to talk this morning about be thankful. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Colossians 3. And 15, we'll be using this for our base verse 
this morning, Colossians 3 and 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let me say it again, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. I thought about when peace rules, how much of a role that can play in how you respond to things. And one thing I discovered is when peace, when the peace of God rules in your heart, you learn to be thankful. But if that peace isn't present, it's easy to become unthankful. I didn't say that God isn't present. I said his peace, when his peace isn't present in your heart. Now, here's what you have to grab hold of, and I want you to get this, because the, the Bible talks about to every man's been dealt the measure of faith, but what we do with that faith determines our peace. And so it says, let the peace of God rule. Everybody say rule. To rule means to be in control, to govern. So if you're a ruler, you govern a province. You're in control of that province. What you say goes. When the peace of God rules, what the peace of God says goes. How many of you have ever found your heart in conflict with God's peace? Be honest, wave your hand if you've ever felt your heart in conflict with God's peace. So here's what you have to decide. Who are you going to allow to rule in that situation? We, people talk about, well, how, how do you even know what God wants? Right here. This is how I know what God wants. And somebody, you know, here's the thing, is that people dismiss the Bible and we let them do it as if though this was just a storybook. Do you understand this isn't even a book? This is, this, this is compiled of writings, manuscripts, that were written over a period of 1,500 years. Think about it. This book, between these pages, are manuscripts that were written over a period of 1,500 years by more than 40 authors. So they don't even live in the same century. They don't, didn't even know one another. But they all wrote about the same thing. <laughs> they all wrote about the same thing. There's, an auth there's authenticity that, and that, that certain writings have to meet to be considered original or authentic antiquities. And, and so the, the Bible has far surpassed any manuscript, it's, it's, it, I mean, th this book has been put to the litmus test by every historian, by, by every archaeologist, everyone that's ever tried to disprove it has ended up proving it. And so this is God's word. Everybody say God's word. So you got a choice on what you're going to allow to rule in your life because there's only two words that are going to rule in your life. It's either God's word or your word. It's either God's word or let me say it this way, man's word. Because sometimes it's not even our word, we're following what somebody else is telling us. 
I want to make sure that I got some oomph in what I'm following. <laughs> Amen? I want to make sure that there's some backbone in what I'm standing on. And this book has been the bestseller. <laughs> Think about how many people tried to stop it. Do you know that they put people to death for printing this in English so we'd be able to read it? Think about that. Who does that? People that are afraid you're going to find out about the God that can set you free. Everybody say, I'm thankful. So I'm very thankful for the word. Sometimes we just take this casually and we, we treat it like it's no big deal. But I've been in countries where this was taken away from them. And I've watched, I, I watched an 18-year-old girl grab a Bible, hold on to it literally. When I handed her a Bible, she grabbed it like this and held it. And tears started streaming down her face. It was the first time in her life she'd ever held the Word of God. We grow up with them on our coffee tables and in our bookshelves collecting dust. But it would help if we crack it open every once in a while and take a look and find out what he said. Everybody say, be thankful. When we let peace rule, God's peace rule, that means that it's controlling our thoughts and our emotions. How many of you ever have trouble with your thoughts and emotions? Wave your hand at me. All the women, wave your hand like this. No, now, now hang on, hang on, because there's, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not picking, I'm just trying to let you know that biology plays a part in this. Are you with me? There are certain times that your emotions get out of control. How many of you know that? How many, how many of you guys know that? What are you saying? I, I'm saying that sometimes it's like we're living in a, a, a world that, that's, that's so dark, nobody knows how to find their way through. I can't trust my emotions. How many of you ever felt like slapping somebody? Oh, wow. My goodness, man. I, I don't know if I ought to keep preaching this. I mean, it's not that you recognized it. It's with the oomph that you recognized it. I mean, that's, yeah, I'd like to. Thought about it this morning on my way to church. So we know that we have to have someone bigger than we are controlling us. Everybody say a governor. Let the peace of God rule. Can I shorten it just a little bit? Let God rule. When there's a governor in your life, what happens when there's a governor on your car? Ask any Walmart driver. Walmart drivers have governors on their vehicles, and they cannot exceed 65 miles per hour. So if you're behind a Walmart driver and you're trying to figure out why won't he do 70, he can't. There's a governor on those trucks that only allow them to do 65 miles an hour because they want them to be safe. When Joseph found himself in a foreign land among foreign people, and Potiphar's wife, the guy that owned him, got the hots for him and started trying to seduce him. He's a young guy. If you don't have a ruler over your hormones, you're going to give in to your hormones. 
Am I telling you the truth? So Joseph has a governor in his life, and this is how I know. Because when nobody's around and nobody's going to see, and she puts the move on him, he said, how could I do this? He said, your master, your husband, has withheld nothing from me. There's nobody in this house greater than I am. He's, he's put me in control of all of his stuff. He's withheld nothing from me except you. How could I do this great sin, this, or this great wickedness, and sin before God? Listen to what Joseph is saying. He didn't say, I can't do this to you. He didn't say, oh, I can't do this to me. I'm going to mess everything up for me. He recognized the ruler in his life. And he said, I can't do, how can I do this to God? When God rules in your life, then he becomes more important than your emotions and your feelings. He becomes more important than your thinking and you're trying to reason stuff out. But if he's not ruling, then you are. And your judgments can get skewed. How many of you felt like singing when you stepped outside in the rain today? It's not how weather will affect. I hear we're going to get a snowstorm next week. You know where I heard that? You know where I heard that? I just said it. <laughs> we create our own dilemma sometimes. We're speaking things out and then they become a reality for us. But see, some of you, when I said snowstorm next week, I heard the moans already. And you don't even realize that it makes me happy. <laughs> that when I see snow, I love it. I like to drive in snow. I like to play in snow. I'm a little over 20 years old. And I still like to play in snow. Somebody said, well, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> You're judging me according to the way you process things. And if we're not careful, what happens is instead of letting God be the judge, instead of letting God rule, we do. And it brings us trouble. Let me give you a few examples of this trouble. First time it happened was in the Garden of Eden. God has set up a rule. He's he set up a reign. He said, look, he said, now think about this. The first man and the first woman are in a perfect paradise. There are how many of you have ever stepped on a sand burr? Ever got a sand burn in your a sand burr in your foot? You ever you ever have how many of you have ever pierced yourself with a thorn? How many of you ever gotten stuck by a sticker when you're trying to pick a rose? How many of you have ever been rabbit hunting and you wear big cover overhauls so you can pull yourself through all that briar? I'm talking about, I've, I've hunted without those coveralls and man, your jeans get hung up and you rip, you know, but if you, these coveralls have got something on them, I don't know what it is, but literally you can force your way through and it can't keep you from moving forward. Can I tell you that I've been covered by the blood? <laughs> and because of that, 
The devil can't stop me from moving forward. I feel him tug at me. I feel him trying to get his grip on me, but he can't stop me because I've got that covering on. Now, if I take it off, I'm, I'm, I'm out there by myself. But as long as I'm covered, everybody say covered. When you stay covered. And so Adam and Eve are covered by God's love and and he's put them in a place that knows no thorns, that knows no sandburrs, that knows no briar patches or thickets. He doesn't even have to till the ground. Fruit's just growing on its own. And they get to enjoy the presence of God in a way that we dream about. Think about it. They used to go walking with the Lord in the cool of the day. I've gone walking with God before, but never like they did. Never where there's a verbal conversation that's happening. Oh, I talk to God and he speaks to me in my mind, but can you imagine what it would be like to walk with him and have an audible voice speaking to you as you're walking along and he's talking to you and sharing with you and declaring things over you and it was a wonderful place but somehow Eve got herself in a situation where she didn't allow the peace of God to rule her emotions and when you don't let the peace of God rule your emotions you open the door for the serpent to rule them as a result she forgets all she has to be thankful for. Amen. She forgets everything she's got to be thankful for. And all it took was this idea that God's holding out on me. Let it play out in, in, your real, in, in, in your natural world. What happens when you feel like your husband's holding out on you? Or your wife is holding out on you? or your parents are holding out on you, or your boss is holding, I should have got that promotion. That should have been mine. He's holding out on me. I, I, how come I didn't get the race? How come I'm still driving the same old car? How come my house is built, is 150 years old? How come, how come, how come? And if you're not careful, you're allowing the devil to rob you of the peace of God. Let the peace of God rule. Don't just let it be present. Let it rule in your heart and be thankful. And so what the devil does is he gets her to forget everything she's got to be thankful for. Instead of focusing on what she's got to be thankful for, she focuses on the one thing that seems to be withheld from her. How many of you, when you had children growing up, let them have full reign of the house? I mean, if they, you know, they're three years old and they want to go cook steak and eggs, you just have at it. Just go on in there and, you know, you could get burned. All right, if you don't want to listen to me, just go on in there. People don't do that. Why? Because you love your children. 
And so God keeps them from the one thing that he knew would mess with her emotions, with her able to be able to hold on to peace, and that was the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Think about what it would be like if you had never known evil. Think about the peace that would reign in your heart if you'd never had the inclination of evil in your mind, if you never had an evil thought, if you'd never done an evil act. Do you understand how that would cause you to excel and feel like you were in a mountaintop relationship with God? So he's not keeping them from, he's not keeping something from them. He's trying to keep them from something. And when she allows the devil to come in and mess with her emotions instead of being thankful for what she does have, she focuses on the one thing she doesn't have and ends up losing all she did have. Are you with me today? When you get unthankful, it'll mess with your world. It'll mess not just with your attitude. It will literally take from you what God gave you. Don't be unthankful. Everybody say, be thankful. You remember that song you say, don't worry, be happy? Even the music in that song sounded happy. Don't, don't. I can't do it, but I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You know, it's like every time I hear that music, I want to do this. You know, it's, it's like, don't worry, be happy. And I'm thinking, why do we allow all these little things to get on us? It's because the devil knows how to get into your mind. And you need to put up a sign that says no trespassing. Everybody, come on, everybody say no trespassing in my mind. You can't have it. When you look at Saul, Saul is, you remember Saul's story? He's anointed to be king over Israel. He's a head and shoulders taller than anybody else in Israel, but he feels insufficient for the task. He, he feels like, man, I can't do that. And he literally hides himself to keep from being anointed king. He hides. He goes and hides, and the Lord tells him where he's at, and, and God anoints him as king. But then after a while, have you ever met somebody that used to be humble? Until they got stuck on themselves. You know, singers that used to be humble and, until they made it. Preachers that used to be humble until they, and then all of a sudden, who are you? D do you understand that humility is a gift from God? How could you say that? Because he resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. <laughs> and you're saved by what? It's the gift of God. <laughs> he gives grace to the humble. By grace are you saved, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. And so he saves us. And, but Saul all of a sudden became king. He won a few battles and then he got cocky. I wish I'd have thought, I, I wish I'd have, how many of you saw that, uh, what's that called, WWE, what, what's that, that fighting? The, yeah, the mixed martial arts, whatever that is, where they get in a cage, you know, and they're, they're fighting each other. There, there's a clip of a guy, and I wish to goodness I'd have thought of it, and I'd, I'd have brought it in here, but it, it, it shows what happens when all of a sudden you think you're all that in a bag of chips. 
He's, he's fighting this guy, this guy's fighting this guy, and, and they're dancing around, you know, they're in, in the ring, and the other guy's like this, and the other guy goes like this, he walks up to him, and he goes, and he, he starts, you know, acting like, you know, and, and doing all this, and the guy, man, and he's acting, you know, he's hot-dogging it, and all of a sudden, the guy came up, kicked him in the chin, man, knocked him flat out on his back, and won the match, and it was all because he got to be a hot dog. That's what was going on with Saul. Saul is given a command from God to go wipe out the Amalekites. They ambushed Israel when they left Egypt. He said, you go utterly destroy them. Nothing, nothing can remain. Not one person, not one animal. They've got to be completely wiped out. So Saul goes and he attacks, but he keeps the king alive and he keeps all the best animals alive. And then when Samuel shows up, Saul says, I've done what the Lord's commanded. And Samuel looked at him and said, then why am I hearing these sheep bleat in my ear? And he said, oh, oh I've done the commandment of the, the Lord. I, we, you know, we saved the king and we kept the best animals to sacrifice. And he said, what does God like more, obedience or sacrifice? You see, the truth was, is Saul had lifted himself up in his heart. And when you become more important than God, you're in trouble. So he gets lifted up, and Samuel tells him, when you were little in your own eyes, God anointed you to be king. When you knew you were nothing, he chose you. When you knew that you weren't worthy, he picked you. When you knew you didn't deserve his grace and his mercy, he wrapped his arms around you. But now that you've gotten lifted up, now, now that you think you're somebody and you've walked a, away from it, then, then you, you, God's peace isn't ruling in your heart. And so you're no longer thankful. Now because you let go of God... God's letting go of you Amen. from the kingdom. Do you understand that when God anoints us to do something, we need to do it. Forget about whether or not you feel like you can or not. Forget about whether or not you feel like you're able or not. Just do it. When the Lord spoke to me about, you know, we were going to these countries and God started dealing with me about building. And I'm thinking in my mind, I'm thinking, really, God? I don't know anything about building. I didn't want to do it because I wasn't comfortable with it. It wasn't my niche. I got news for you. This isn't about you. This is all about him. This is about his, we're not the ones supposed to get the glory he's supposed to. And then all of a sudden, man, I, I, I'm, and I'm, I'm praying and I'm trying to get my mind wrapped around this and I'm not letting the peace of God rule there. And so it's causing confusion and I'm saying, I don't get it, God. I don't know anything about building. Why do you want me to do this? And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, that's exactly why I want you to do it because I don't want you to think you can do everything. You need to know that there are other people in my kingdom. I've got other hands I want to use. And so it became for years an opportunity where God allowed us to find gifts in people 
and plug those together. These guys didn't preach. They, they didn't sing. They, they laid block. They, they knew how to build. And if you could have seen the look on their faces when they stepped away and saw a pastor that had been meeting in a stick hut, now in a building. That pastor was smiling and he was so thankful and Rick McNeely wasn't responsible. It was that contractor over there that brought his gift to the table and he was thankful. And you know what happened to me? When I saw the impact it had on them, it caused God's peace and thankfulness to well up in my heart, even though I played just a little bitty portion of it. We had, in, in, in Mexico, we'd had a hurricane come through and it wiped out, man. We went into, uh, I can't remember the name of the place, Mosquito or something. There were a lot there. And we, we, we go out and, and literally there was, there's a village and we drive on this village and it sets by the ocean or by the Gulf and, and we're rebuilding homes there. But then we have people come to us from an island and they said, could you please help us? And we get on a boat and we go across and there's a little island and I'm asking them, I said, where was your house? And they pointed out in the ocean. I said, no, no, no. I mean, where was it? before the storm and they pointed in the ocean and the interpreter told me that storm cut a hundred feet off of this island and it sunk it into the ocean and man we had to load up boards and lumber James was on that trip James remembers that it was hot it was the doorway to the bad place I'm, I'm telling you, man, I had contractors with me, and they couldn't take it. And James is up there. The contractors thought James had something wrong with him because James is up there working in that heat and going along. And they said, man, what's wrong with that boy? Well, he's using his gift. And his gift was making a difference. Storm came by. Those guys were scared to death. Man. Well, James wasn't, Right. Thunder was shaking the island. I got there and they said, man, where you been? <laughs> this ain't my gift. No, no I, I, I'd, been in, I'd been in town trying to get supplies and everything out there. But I'm telling you, when it was over, people that didn't have homes had homes. Because someone used their gifts. Amen. Saul gets messed up and he ends up losing the kingdom when he could have maintained it. But look, this can work the opposite way. You can forget to be thankful and the peace of God will leave your heart. It's what happened to David. Keep in mind that David is a man that's after God's own heart. But there's a time in David's life you know, and, and, and it's so hard because you, when you read David's writings and, and you see the depth of his love and his passion for Christ, you, you think that could never happen to him. But Paul made the statement, I die daily. Everybody say, I got to deal with me every day. 
I have to die daily. And, and so David had gotten into this thing and, and he, he got away from doing what God had called him to. The scripture said that when kings went out to battle, David stayed home. And when he's staying home, he's on a rooftop and he looks out and he sees this woman that's not his wife. He forgets how much God had done for him. He forgets all that God had blessed him with. And God has to remind him, and he tells him in a prophet, he said, if what I'd done for you hadn't been enough, I would have done more if you would have asked. But now instead of being thankful for what I gave you, you decided to go after what I'd given someone else, and it caused the peace of God to leave his home. Think about it. Man, his kids go wild. They start killing each other. He, I mean, it, it's, and you hear David's plea for the peace of God to come back home to him. Listen to this. This, this is in Psalms. The 51st chapter, starting with verse 8. I'm going to read you just, I, I, I cherry-picked a few verses here so you get the, the whole, go read the chapter when you get home. But let me read this to you so you understand how desperate David is for God to come back into his heart and rule his life. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Do not cast me away from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. What's he saying? He's saying nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. I've learned the one thing that I need to be thankful for above everything else, and that's your presence in my life. That's your, your spirit in my heart. It doesn't matter whether I've got castles and, and houses. If I don't have you, I've lost everything. I need you. Restore to me. I've known people that became wealthy and, and, and all of a sudden they thought that that's what they wanted. And when they got there, they were there empty and alone. And they just longed for something to come into their heart that would give meaning to life. His name is Jesus. I said his name is Jesus. Peter finds it difficult letting the peace of... Look, Hear me, because when we go through, how many of you have ever been through anything? Wave your hand if you've ever been through anything. If you haven't been through anything, just keep living. But when you go through stuff, it's hard to let the peace of God rule. What's your first response when somebody cuts you off in traffic? Lord, I just ask you, bless them right now. They're in a hurry, and let them get there safe, God. And Right. What about when all of a sudden somebody cheats you? Well, let me not say cheats you, but we think they cheated us. You're, you're at the grocery store, and they count back change, and they're $5 short. 
excuse me, uh, you're, you're, you're off. No, 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 I'm not off. I, I put it in the register. I don't have to think for myself anymore. The register does all my thinking for me. I don't have to count. Are you with me? I had, I, I had an individual that had, had counted out wrong, and I, I was trying to help them. And I said, look, if, if you ta- I, I gave you this in a penny. So that means that I get this. And, and they just looked at me. And they said, and finally, they said, okay, I trust you. <laughs> but when, when, we get, when we get shortchanged, we're offended by it. Person tried to rip me off. <laughs> That's not exactly the peace of God ruling, is it? I'll tell you one thing, they think they're going to get by with that on me. <laughs> but then I've known folks that went to the register and they... The place shortchanged themselves, gave them more money than they were supposed to. This God is my witness. I'm not going to tell you the person's name. Nobody you know anyway. But this goes out all over. <laughs> they counted it back to him, and this was what he told me. Man, I just took it as a blessing from God. <laughs> really? It ain't going to be a blessing from God when that poor girl's got to pay it out of her pocket. Do you understand what? Let the peace of God rule. I shared, I went out of Walmart the other day with something in my buggy. You know, they make you check out your own stuff now. You know, so I checked out all the stuff and got out there and I'm putting it in the car and I can't believe it. I lift up a bag and there in the bottom of my buggy, it's I think lip liner for you. And it wasn't mine. It wasn't mine. I'm thinking, man, Debbie and her lip liner. No, I'm kidding. I'm just, I, I looked at that and I thought, great. Are you kidding me? And so, you know, so what do you do? Just jump in the car and say, thank you, Jesus. And no. So I go back in there and I, I, I look at the line and there's a big, long line. So then I go to, I look over at the service desk, and there's not a lot of people over there. And I go over there, and I said, ma'am, I accidentally took this out of the store. didn't pay for it. And, and so, and, you know, she looked at me, and she said, you know what? You're so honest, and, and you, you, you know, you exercised integrity. And, well, we're so proud of you. You just keep that. And don't worry about paying for it. That's what I was hoping she might say. <laughs> don't you get that worked up in your head sometimes? Oh, they're going to, they're going to thank me. <laughs> That's 585. Did you not hear what I said? I said I was out, I was already, I was clean. Could have got away. I came back in this store to pay for this. The least you can do is thank me. I didn't do that either. I'm just, what I'm telling you is this, is sometimes we get, we have trouble letting the peace of God rule our hearts. We do what we do because it's the right thing to do. 
whether anybody's going to give you accolades or not. They, no, nobody may sing your praises. Nobody may jump up and acknowledge your honesty. Nobody may, may even thank you for it. And I sure didn't want to get lip liner because she'd kiss me one day and put it all over my mouth. And I went into a store to order coffee. Took the cup, drank from it, brought it down and saw lipstick on my cup. Let the peace of God rule. Let the, hey, hang out here. I started to, I started to go up and say, sir, you gave me a dirty lead. Now, I'm not playing games. I really started to do that. That's what I thought had happened. I thought, I'm standing there thinking, I can't believe this guy gave me a dirty lid, man. Who's had their lips on this thing? And, and I'm, and, and, but he had more customers, so I didn't say nothing. I thought, well, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it or anything. I go out, get to the car, you know, and I start to open the door, and I see my reflection in the window. I was the prettiest thing. <laughs> And then I got to thinking, I wonder what that guy thought when I went up there and said, give me a tall, toughy, not tough, I can't even talk. Give me a tall, toffee nut latte, non-fat, two pumps, 180. I'm just glad he didn't wink at me. Let the peace of God rule. You don't know what kind of situation you're going to find yourself in. You could find yourself in a situation that embarrasses the fire out of you. You could find yourself in a situation that makes you mad. You could find yourself in a situation that breaks your heart. But in whatever state you're in, Paul said, I've learned to be content because I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. See, we like to pull that out of context and just, oh, I can do all things. But he was saying, look, I've been through some stuff. And I've, I've discovered a God that can get me through it no matter what it is. How about you? <laughs> so Peter, Peter, I'm getting ready to wrap it up. Peter finds himself in that situation. He walked with Jesus for three and a half years, and I really, I really want you to think about this and let this sink in, because sometimes we just read Scripture, and we pass it over, and we never do the application. We never apply it to our life. We never put our feet in the shoes of those people that are walking it out. These are not fictitious characters. These are men and women that lived and breathed just the same way that you and I do. Peter had walked with Jesus not like we walk with Jesus, he had walked with him in a physical way. He had seen Jesus in the flesh. He watched this man walk on water and found courage to say, I want to be where you're at. And even though it was just for a few steps, he knew what it was like to walk on water. You don't forget that stuff. It, you don't, that, that doesn't leave you. you. You remember that. He watched him raise the dead. He watched Lazarus come back after four days. He, he watched blind eyes pop open. He watched an arm that was shriveled up and, and twisted grow and, and become normal. And 
And so Jesus is telling him, I, I've got to die, and, 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 and they're going to come, and they'll do these things to me. And he grabs him and says, no, Lord, it'll never happen. Because there are some things we don't want to see. There are some things we don't want to happen. And it's not God ruling anymore. It's us. Maybe that's why David was trying to give us an insight. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. He didn't say I'll never walk through the valley. There are some places we find ourselves we don't want to be. And David's trying to give us an insight. You don't have to go it alone. And so he tells him, he said, these things will never happen. And the Lord looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. Did you just call me Satan? <laughs> Did you just call me the devil? I've been working for you for three and a half years. Did you just call me the devil? I just sung your praises. Did you just call me Beelzebub? <laughs> Do you, I mean, make it real. Don't just read it. What would you think? And he said, look, he said, if all men deny you, I'll die for you. And he really thought he would. But there's something I've discovered. God knows our heart better than we know our heart. And Jesus looked at him and he said, Peter, he said, before the devil, before the, before the, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny three times that you even know me. That never, never, no way, no how. It's not going to happen. He said, Peter, he said, I've been praying for you. Satan wants to sift you. He said, he's, he, he's desired to have you so he could sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you. And when you're strengthened, convert your brothers. And Peter's trying to figure all this out. Man, I never did. And man, it's not 24 hours. And he finds himself playing out that role in his life. God's peace isn't present when he hacks off that soldier's ear. Oh, don't misunderstand me. It's there for him, but he's allowed it to leave his heart. You see, the peace of God is always there for you. But sometimes you just don't hold on to it. Sometimes you become the ruler instead of letting God become the ruler. You ever been there? I have. We take over instead of allowing God to take over. And it always ends in a mess for us. And so he denies vehemently he, he, I don't even know who that guy is. Get out of my face. I, no, I, don't know, I don't know who he is. He gets so upset, he starts swearing. And then a rooster crows. And it's the loudest message Peter ever heard. And he goes out and he weeps bitterly. And in his mind, it's over. How about in yours? In his mind, I've blown it. 
he would never want anything to do with me now. Here's some good news. When you give up on yourself, he doesn't. When you feel like throwing in the towel, he picks it up to come and wash your feet. When you feel like walking out, he walks in. And so how does he let Peter know? Because Peter's living in this dilemma and and he just doesn't know. And so an angel appears in an empty tomb. (laughs) And the angel says, this is in Mark 6 and 7, go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. That's where you're going to see him. Did you catch that? If he would have just said, go tell his disciples, Peter wouldn't have included himself because Peter had already dismissed himself from being worthy. So he tells an angel, you tell them, but you mentioned Peter's name specifically because I want that boy to know I haven't given up on him. I I want him to know I haven't forgotten him, that I still love him, that it's okay, and he's going to be victorious. Get your oomph back. Be thank. Do you think Peter wasn't thankful? <laughs> I don't know what happened, but God gave me imagination for something. I can see Mary running in there, and he said, to tell all you guys, to tell all you guys that he's going to meet you in Galilee, that he's going to meet you there. Oh, and Peter, he mentioned you by name. He did what? <laughs> he did what? He, he called my name. He called my, are you kidding me? He called my name. It's amazing how in one moment, God can take away all your heartache, all your shame, all your fear of failure when he calls you by name. You know, when I, I can't tell you the number of times I was in revival meetings and the Lord would give me something, a word of knowledge, and I would share that with someone and I'd watch them break and begin to weep and cry because they said there's no way he could know that. So they knew that there was a God that loved them enough to tell some stranger, let them know I'm still here. Would you stand with me? When Peter went through that, he knew how to be thankful. How about you? Any of you ever been through something that made you learn how to be thankful? How to, when we traveled, our our, uh, grandchildren, we used to, every, every time we went out, we'd always come back with a gift for our grandkids. And when I'd go to other countries, I'd always bring something back for them. But I mean, we would, you know, we'd just buy something. Weren't you gone every week? Yeah. So they were getting stuff every week? Yeah. Why? We couldn't help it. We come in and we bring something to them and they would look at us and they would say, thank you so much, Papa. Thank you so much. I mean, it could have been a you know, t-shirt. Thank you so much. I don't know if they were playing me. No, I know they weren't. They just were thankful 
And them being thankful caused me to want to give. <laughs> so Paul writes, and this is what he says in Hebrews 4. So then, since we have a great high priest who's entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Did you get that? He understands. He understands our weaknesses. Because he faced all the same testings we do. But he didn't sin. He came through it unmarred. He came through it untouched by sin. Because of that, he said, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. When we need it most. Grace when we need it most. <laughs> That's pretty powerful stuff. When we need it most. I don't need it as much when I feel like I'm doing okay. I know I got it, but I don't, you know, you understand what I'm saying? I, that need. But man, but when you've blown it, when you've messed up and you know it, and you know God knows it, There's something unique about a God whose mercy is new every morning. <laughs> There's something powerful about a God that's an ever-present help in a time of need. When we need it most. So because of that, Benny, I'm going to let God's peace rule in my heart, and I'm going to be thankful. Come on, let's give my hand clap of praise in this building. So this is what I want to do this morning. If you're in this place, look, if you've got a need, we're going to pray for your need. But to make this easier for me to I, I identify, if you've got a need, I want you to come and stand over here on the left that you and prayer partners come on up and, and move over to the left. If you've got a need, I want you to go over to the left for that need to be prayed for. And, and we want to pray for that need. But here's my next call. If you're in this house and you can say, Pastor, I've got a lot to be thankful for. I mean, God has done some stuff for me. What I'd like you to do is come over to the right side and just raise your hands for about 60 seconds and give God thanks for all he's done for you. Would you do that? Come on, let's move real quick. Let's move real quick. You got a need over here. Hey, and needs are real. If you've got a need, I want that need to be met. But Every once in a while, 
we just need to thank him. There have been a few times that I've gone to God and I said, God, I'm not asking for nothing. I just want to thank you for everything that you've done. You've been so good to me. You, you know, I, you, you get my, my family, my, my church family, my, my friends. God, I, I'm just so thankful. There's some stuff you kept me from, and I'm thankful. There's some stuff you've seen me through, and I'm thankful. There's some days that I didn't know what to do, and you gave me direction, and I am thankful. Come on and raise those hands and love him with me. Sing it. Sing it. Sing it.
you to do for this entire month. This is a month that we set aside for Thanksgiving on a specific day. But we need to be thankful all year long, right? So this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to start charting things that you're thankful for. If you, if you would just begin to write down each day one thing that you're thankful for. Now we're on the fourth, so you're gonna to have to go back and catch the first three days, okay? But write it down till you get to the end of this month and then at the end of the month, sit down and read that. And do more than read it, sit down and honor God with it and begin to thank Him for that list and know this and declare this, God, I thank you that next year there's gonna be 30 brand new things on this list that I have to be thankful for. Now, if you can't think of 30 things to be thankful for, you can borrow some of mine. But I want it, if you're on Facebook, then use it for a good purpose. Go on and post what you're thankful for, all right? Amen. You know what I'm thankful for today? I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, I'm just telling you that we've got some of the best people at our church that I've ever met in my life. And, I, I, and I, I'm not... I'm not given to, you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> to overdo it. Yeah, exactly. But I mean it. And I'm so thankful for you. Where God's brought us from and where God's taking us to. Amen. God bless you today. Remember, right after service today, we've got the Next Steps class. If you haven't been through that class, please come and go through that with us. It'll take about an hour, and uh, we're excited about what God's doing. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, I'm thankful. So the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine on you. This is really important. Before you come back here next week, invite somebody to come with you, all right? Give them a hand clap of praise. Invite somebody to church.